0: As painful as it is to say, it appears that Texas's decade-plus swoon into mediocrity is beginning to come to an end. It's especially painful as a Sooner fan when you look back at the last 13 years and can't help but feel like OU did not take full advantage of Bevo's lost decade. Beginning in 2010, the year after UT's last Big 12 title, OU was favored to beat Texas in 13 consecutive games, a streak that came to an end last season. OU was 10-3 and 3 in those meetings with Texas, a number that seems pretty good on the surface, but us OU fans, we know better than that. We know that OU came into Dallas for 13 consecutive matchups with the superior team. In many cases, they were the vastly superior team. Years 2013 through 2017 were particularly painful and needlessly stressful in that regard. No reason to rehash the details here as, OU fans have the memory of Case McCoy, Gerard Hurd, Jordan Thomas, and of course, Obo Okoronkwo being held play after play, etched into their psyches for eternity. And frankly, I'm sick and tired of Texas playing well in this freaking game. In every matchup since Mack Brown was fired after the 2012 season, Texas has played exceedingly good to perfect football against OU. OU in those matchups has played every spectrum of inconsistent and frustrating that you can imagine. Now, the tables have been turned a little bit this year. Texas finds itself in the position that OU has mostly been in for the last 13 years heavy favorites with national title and playoff hopes attached to it, while the Sooners are the plucky underdog. Is this the moment where OU flips the script and gives Sooner fans a surprise performance while Texas lays an egg? They're sure as hell due for it. I'm Grant Benson. This is West of Everest. Third and nine with 80,000
1: strong in Norman. Beck moves the pocket. Trying to throw it for the first down, it's intercepted. Billy Bowman on
0: the pick, going to the far sideline. Pick six for the Sooners.
1: Billy Bowman welcomes us into another edition of West of Everest. His pick six on the opening series last week sure was exciting, and despite a couple of long touchdown passes and some really bad run defense in the first half, the Sooners did go on to blow out Iowa State by 30 points. Hey everybody, I'm Lee Benson. You heard Grant a moment ago with the opening take. And as you all know, it is, of course, OU Texas week, and it's a pretty interesting OU Texas week for a multitude of reasons, one of which Grant touched on in that opening take. Texas, like last season, is favored to win the game, but at least this time, Oklahoma's starting quarterback is not questionable to play as we record the podcast here on Wednesday evening of game week. So, Grant, I kind of want to get in at the beginning here to talk about our early thoughts, our general feelings. Obviously, we'll talk all about it right now or on this podcast, but as we start today, what is your – I know you you had the opening take, obviously, but uh, I'll throw a different prompt at you. Just kind of your your midweek feelings about uh, this matchup between OU and Texas.
0: Uh, it's I, I'll be honest with you, I'm I'm in the same boat as a lot of people are. Um, I've watched Texas. Texas is the team that I've watched the second most this year out of anyone. I you know Texas I think is has been the most impressive team that I've watched this year in the country. Um, that doesn't mean that they're perfect or that they are a world beater or that OU does not have a chance in this game. That's not that's not what I'm saying at all. But it's yeah, they're they're good. Texas is really good. They have proven a lot already this year. They've proven more than pretty much any team in the country up to this point, point. and uh, they have a lot of really good players. And, and OU is going to have to play exceptionally well to win the game. So yeah, you know, I, I watched a decent amount of them as well leading up to this,
1: and uh, yeah, this one just it feels different. And you know, you think about the last year again. I know that OU was a you know. Kind of the similar type of underdog five five and a half um and you know if if d g let's say Dylan Gabriel never was concussed against t c u and he plays in that game, we know all you know going into it, I think the number still probably would have been the same about five and a half six maybe you know I don't think it would have moved much uh you know maybe if that was a situation it would it would have kind of felt the same as I kind of feel now where like. Texas, as you, you laid it out, I mean, Texas is better than Oklahoma. They're a better football team. I, it's true. Eyeball test tells me that.
0: Like I, I, Eyeball test and what they've proven this year tells me that. And, and if you want to take last year, maybe. There's, there's some other things that we'll get into that will say, you know, not so fast. But we'll, we can get into that later.
1: But, yeah, like, I'm with you. I mean, they've been tested more than the Sooners have this season. I think just the Alabama game alone counts. I mean, uh, Texas is supposed to win this football game. And the thing is, watching them play so far this year, Texas five and zero. They're not winning with smoke and mirrors, and they're not lucky. Like they're they're beating teams, and they're they're beating them pretty good. And when I was thinking about this, I think back to like smoke and mirrors, lucky teams. I think back to remember Miami in twenty seventeen that they went. They started the year ten and zero, but if you actually watched them, turnover chain, baby. Yeah, they had a, that was a turnover chain. But like, if you actually watch their games, like their offense was very average to below average. Their defense was really good, but they were just getting super lucky. And you could see they weren't really as good as their ranking said they were. And it, it kind of it all evened out in the end. They they went ten and zero to start the year, and they lost their last three games of the season. So I remember,
0: uh, I remember on this podcast just going all in and being like, "Yeah, they're definitely going to lose at Pitt over." Uh, I, I, oh yeah, and, and they did. I remember that. I was. Oh, they did, straight up. Ooh, yeah. I wish gambling was legal back then.
1: Man, 2017, I, I, I had a good read on everything that year, I felt like. Uh, you know, OU was really good. You know, I had a pretty, pretty good read. Anyways, th- we're not talking about 20. 20- so, like, I don't know why. I, that's got a sidebar. We're talking OU Texas. Like, this, this Texas team is not a fake, like, whatever team. Like, all phases. I mean, they're, they're really good. Like, on offense, they have some of the best playmakers in college football. Their defense has been elite so far. Like, they're not winning cheap, cheaply. So if Texas wins this game, it's likely to be because this season they're just better than Oklahoma. And compared to so many other years when these two teams play and OU comes into this game as the much better team or, like, just the clearly better team, and then you see Oklahoma struggle to win. Like, 2019, they sacked Ellinger a million times. Not that much, but, like, over 10 times barely won by a touchdown. Like, they should have won that game by at least three scores. Or we've seen Oklahoma struggle and lose to a bad Texas team. You mentioned the last episode back in 2015. So this, going into this game, it's like, to me, there's not, there's not any pressure on Oklahoma. Was, uh, Sooners are 5-0. and Terrific start. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of surprised. Like, I, you know, we all know I was kind of skeptical. The team has played fantastic so far. Uh, so you're 5-0. and Oklahoma can definitely win this football game, obviously. Absolutely. And there's a solid chance, I think, Oklahoma wins the game. They're a good football team right now. They're playing well. But Texas is favored for a reason, six, six and a half or so, I think, right now. And this is not rocket science, but Oklahoma's got to play their best football of the year to have a chance in this game. So that's where I stand right now
0: going into this one. That or Texas has to lay an egg. And they are, they are very due to, to lay one in this game. Very, very due to do so. And so and I, and I, don't, I, I don't bring that up. Just thinking like that's the only way that OU wins this game. No, I mean I just like it, it's it's very annoying. They they need to lay a freaking egg in this game. It's not it is not it's just not normal how well they have played consecutively in this series.
1: Yeah, so I know you talked about it a little bit in your opening text. So the last time they kind of played poorly. Like over a decade ago, I mean, in this game, and yeah, the last so I,
0: the last time that Texas fully laid an egg and played poorly was 2012. Mac Brown's last season when OU beat him 63 to 21. OU was a was a three point favorite going into that game. Both teams had a loss going in. You know, Texas had a bad season as they've had. I mean, Texas hadn't really had any good seasons the last 13 or 14 years, and so it's just uh you're right. This is on paper, our eyes, everything this year, and last year as well, Texas brings in a team that's just better than OU. And yeah, but OU did that for 13 straight years. They were better than Texas. And it, um, as I say, they didn't go 13 and0, unfortunately, and they should have. They should have gone 13
1: and0 in those games. And obviously we'll get into what we've seen from Texas and why we think that. I mean, I'm sure a lot of people have, you know have watched Texas too, and honestly like, I just have this weird feeling where it's like, because you know me, man, on this podcast, I, I I'm not as much as in, you know into rivalries as everybody else. I, I don't think that stuff really matter that much. I think that and that's why I'm so frustrated when all these years Oklahoma's been the better team and they they don't always win. They they've won more than lost, but it's you think back. I guess like when we were first starting to watch this OU team back in the late '90s, early 2000s, and that you know obviously '99 Oklahoma loses, but then. All of a sudden, you get a couple, you know, string of games where OU just romped and just killed Texas when they were the much better team. And and then, you, you know, you mentioned the 2012 game. You know, that's kind of the last time that's happened for OU. Is that right? I mean, that's kind of the last time OU really ran Texas was 2012. Uh, and, you know, obviously, last year, Texas gets a giant blowout asterisk because Oklahoma didn't have a quarterback, but that's OU's fault. Uh, I. Just, it's just so frustrating to me whenever Texas was able to keep a game so close and then win some games, whereas like now it's like I can't get mad at them. Like They're good. Texas is really good, and it's like, well, tip your cap to them so far. But uh, obviously I want to see them lose, but it, it doesn't bother me as much because like every year they're overrated. They're overrated. They're overrated, and now at least through five games, they're not overrated. Texas is a really good football team.
0: Yeah, but it just it just reminds me how annoying it is when Texas is good. It It's it just insufferable. It is just... Because everybody just starts yeah. to just just everyone just starts to just slobber all over Texas and I don't get it. They are the weirdest, most fruity team that has ever existed. They're so self-serious. <laughs> Their alma mater is a bad cover of a better song. I've been working on the railroad. <laughs> any, any adult who actually puts up the horns up like a salute. How are you not embarrassed? What an absolutely fruity, embarrassing, uh, crazy
1: thing it, to do. And, and to add to it, our friend Brady Trantham, I, I saw him – he wrote a column about uh, – he kind of had a rant about Texas kind of after the Iowa State game. And he referenced – or didn't reference, but just kind of mentioned how, you know, of course Texas is really good in a season where college football seems to be kind of wide open. There's, like, there's not like one amazing – like Georgia the last couple of years was like, oh, like especially last year, like that Georgia team is really good. Where it's like it's kind of open where Texas – has a really good chance right now to win a national title. Whereas, like Oklahoma, when they've had their elite, awesome teams, uh, you can make the argument that there's been that they've been in seasons where there's like you know a couple other really, really, really good teams. Where it's like, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's it it's not going to be easy, but you know, if things fall the right way for Texas. They could they could have themselves uh, maybe an easier path than than has been in the past. I don't know. I mean, it's still early, but we'll see.
0: It's still early, but yeah, I I was. Yeah, I mean, I, I share those thoughts. It is just—it's exceptionally annoying, and I just like—I, I just don't like them. I, I, I understand that I'm on a side of a rivalry, but it's just—they're the worst. It's just awful. It is just insufferably terrible. And here's how
1: ridiculous shows how overrated Texas is going into see- the season all the time. It seems like, and everyone knows that. its, it's a joke. It's a bit. Texas is ranked number three right now in the nation, in the A people. <laughs> this is the highest they've been rated going against Oklahoma since 2009. Like, going into this game, like, they're super super rated going into the season, but then they end up losing a game or two going in, and you know, they end up falling back. But, like, they're number three. They, they're, they haven't been this high since 2009, obviously a game in which they beat Oklahoma in a close one on a defensive struggle where Landry Jones had to come in early on after Sam Bradford got injured uh and yeah and I guess I didn't notice this it's a stat going around too and it's surprising it's the first time both these teams are unbeaten since 2011 going into this game it's been that long huh? wow that's and OU destroyed Texas in that game the last time they played in 2011 yeah I was gonna say it's pretty wins
0: as I say there's a little I I don't like it there's a whole lot of just there's some there's some parallels to that game to this one because it's just kind of flipped a little bit where Texas is kind of on the OU side and that. But, like, I, I, don't, I, I don't know if I necessarily I, – I, I don't see that happening. If, 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 any team, if any team wins this game by a lot of points, a la last year, it's some sort of fluke of some sort that has to do with a big-time injury or just unreal emotion and atmosphere just getting away from somebody.
1: All right, and so uh, going into the week, head coach Brent Venables – not interested in providing any sort of extracurricular bulletin board type material at all for the media. And that's, I'll be honest with you in his 40 minute press conference. That's really the only part of it that kind of stood out to me. It, and I guess to what Venables is trying to do and not that he's going to make any news anyways, he's not going to give Texas anything to write about, but there wasn't a whole lot of inf- you know, interesting things aside from like him explaining why he only, Gave media members four players, and they're all veteran players. And uh, yeah, well, who was it? It was uh, Dylan Gabriel, Drake Stoops, Woody Washington, I believe, and who who was. (laughs) McCade Matthijer. McCade Matthijer, interesting. Uh, And so, uh, yeah, yeah, I I, I see you have the quote here. I guess we we can read his quote if you want to take that.
0: No, I mean, I I think a lot of people have seen it. He just goes on and he says, I mean, he straight up just says it. He's like, yeah, I'm. I've, you can only talk to these guys this week because I trust them not to say anything stupid, basically. And I'm paraphrasing. You're paraphrasing. He didn't, he didn't say it that way. He didn't You're say those exact things, that. but that's, that's what he said. <laughs> so
1: uh, here's, like, here's the thing. I, I like it. I do. Like, I mean, why not control what, what you can control? Like, even if I was still working at News 9 right now, and it, like, I still would, would think, oh, that's fine. I don't mind. That players rarely ever say anything anyways they rarely ever say anything interesting uh so like when there's not any rules for media in college football and might as well take advantage of the situation and that's what venables is doing here i'm good with it uh like and part of me i i kind of wanted to maybe give him a small critique for for like changing up the media schedule you know only given four players obviously he changed up the coordinator thing last week that's different uh like changing it up you know this week but then also saying but hey you know like this week, it's not any different than the other weeks, even though we're, we're playing Texas, we're focusing on our opponent, but Venables didn't say that. He, he acknowledged, he, like, I think George Stoya from Soonerscoop now asked, like, so is that, you only giving us four players? Is that kind of acknowledging this, this week is different? And obviously, George knows the answer is yes, but you got to ask the question, and he did. It's a good question. And, you know, Venables said, well, like, like for our team, this week isn't really different in many ways, but for the media in my experiences, this week is different for you guys. <laughs> so like he basically said, like, yeah, like media members try to get more sound bites and quotes during this week than they normally do. And I think that's fair. That's a that's a fair criticism and not necessarily criticism, but like it's a fair tactic going into it. And so there's it's gonna be boring leading up to the game, so they can focus on preparing for Texas.
0: I think this is just perfect podcast fodder. And so I thank you for Brent Venables for, for doing this because it it was, it was the only interesting thing that came out of his out of his press conference, that's for sure. So, see, I I don't, I guess I'm pretty neutral on this. I am someone who has always been annoyed by people providing bulletin board material. Just like shut up, shut up. Nobody nobody want, nobody cares about your thoughts. The only time anyone cares is when you say something stupid, which happens a lot with college kids. And so it's like I. I don't know if it's something that I would "quote unquote" do if I was a college head coach, but I definitely appreciate at least giving a little bit of thought to it and being like, "Yeah, you know what? Like you said, it's something that you can control. We're just gonna. We're this is just one small little thing that we can control, and it probably means nothing. But as long as we can control it for maximum, you know, intense focus, like Brent Venables wants, yeah, why not? Why not do that? Yeah, just four players talking to the media that
1: meant that the rest of the, the club you know the other guys that would have originally or normally talked to the media just more time for those guys to watch the all 22s man i was gonna just say they better be watching the film, the film.
0: Room. they better be in the film or they better be in <laughs> team meetings uh, i love it i don't want i don't want any class this week If they're going to class they're losers classroom <laughs> time is film room time this week gentlemen don't want any of these grades this week ridiculous didn't go to didn't go to Oklahoma to, to play school. I'll tell you that.
1: Uh, and you know, I forgot to mention this on the last episode I meant to. I had it in my notes and I skipped over it. Uh, not that big of a deal, but I mean, it is to one man, Justin Harrington, Justin Harrington. Uh, after the game against Iowa State, Vendables confirmed that Harrington, as you know, we suspected, as you suspected, that he's going to be out for the rest of the season. Uh, I think I think it's been reported it was an ACL, I believe. Uh, so I saw
0: ACL two. I wasn't too
1: 100% sure. So I just put knee surgery, but eh, we'll just go with the knee. Uh, and I, you know what? That would explain even more why he uh, went down to the ground after that interception against SMU. He, uh, had a torn knee. <laughs> he, had, he had
0: some sort of torn ligament in his knee. Yeah. So, and I <laughs> think now, and, and I hate that for Justin Harrington. That's just not, also, not great.
1: Why was he on the field? Why were you playing? That's, that's kind of crazy, but
0: I don't know. I don't know, yeah. but uh, yeah, I think I guess the next question for him is, is he able to get some sort of medical hardship again, which I'd assume, you know, probably, probably. <laughs> Why not? I, I mean, you have some to. guys that. Yeah, you got to submit it right now so the, so, so yeah. the NCAA can, can rule on it by July, but <laughs> get to it.
1: <laughs> or uh, maybe just flip the bird to the NCAA because at some point, I wish everybody would just stop pretending like the NCAA has any sort of jurisdiction that's the thing is they don't even run the playoff like they, they it has nothing to do with the NCAA anyway it's a whole nother topic I, I just w- I mean the NCAA is going to be dead here hopefully sooner before sooner rather than later but I just wish all these coaches and all these different just get together like on a giant zoom call and be like hey guys let's all just agree to just ignore the NCAA like hey uh western Kentucky you got slapped with some sort of uh a couple of your players got sp- you know what we don't care like people you're going to play in your schedule just say you don't care let the team handle it just ignore all the NCAA like referees sorry like and then that way it'll don't give them power anymore that's my that's my solution grant
0: I want the NCAA to step up and uh, conspire with the rest of college football to undermine Texas at every available turn oh gosh that's my final that that's my final call they must be stopped all
1: right before we get to your your analytics rankings update. Anything else from Venables' press conference? Or I, I'll be honest. I listened to Woody Washington's media availability and nothing. Like, there, there wasn't supposed to be anything. It was all just nothing. There, was, so, there, anything else there, there wasn't about? much this week.
0: Wasn't much this week, and honestly, g- good. Good. From my viewpoint Although, as a fan, I want <laughs> nothing. All I want, all I, honestly, all I wanted from the football program this week was to have tweeted out pictures of them studying and watching film.
1: <laughs> I, I will say though from Woody, like one of the first questions or one of the you know, early on is, is uh, the availability I saw. Not surprisingly, he was asked about how last year went and obviously they got their butts kicked and, you know, what like? Yeah. Yeah. Just another, you know, it's not, not great last year. You know, it's like, you know, we're not using it as motivation or anything. This is a new year. It's like, I love how he said, it's like, you're hundred percent using that as motivation. Like you weren't, you weren't prompted on motivation. You brought that up. So it's like, with him not like him saying he's not using it as motivation is 100 percent confirming like of course they're using but like you don't need to ask him that they got their butts kicked by seven touchdowns and they didn't have a quarterback so yeah last year's kind of the big deal but I just kind of thought the way Woody answered it, it was like come on Woody
0: like no, yeah, I'm like, not using it
1: as motivation or anything
0: <laughs> I've thought about that a lot this week about how like and I mean you can even like fold this into that you know to the to the, bullpen, uh, the bulletin board. Material talk as well like i'm I guess I'm just like old school, but like if you need any sort of motivation to be just like intensely fired up for this game how why like if oh, I'm yeah. like yeah like I say, if I'm Billy Bowman and I know that I'm starting and playing every snap of this game i I'm sorry, I don't need any motivation I'm just like there is there's nothing that i'm I'm spending all week preparing, and like it's just. It's like, I, I don't, yeah, we lost 49 to nothing, but I, like, you should always go into the Cotton Bowl motivated with a chip on your shoulder like you just lost 49 to nothing.
1: Always. Yeah. No, and they they will. They will.
0: And I know I sound like cliched, just, you know, couch sports guy there, like, oh, I'd be fired up. You got it. But, like, it's true. I think, I know we, you know, we, we used to play sports, too. I, you know, I don't. I guess even then well, when I, I used to play high school sports, foot I foot don't foot remember foot. having to like get motivated about that stuff. I was just fired up to play. I mean, yeah, you obviously remember about how
1: previous games go. Uh, the way the way it went, though, playing football in high school, we didn't lose a lot of games. So there wasn't a whole lot of those situations where we got beat by a team one year, and then the next year we were trying to beat them. Like, uh, uh. It was usually always flip. They were the ones that wanted to beat us. <laughs> uh, anyways, uh, all right, give us some 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 analytic ranking update you gave one last week is is oklahoma better or worse
0: oh uh they're they're pretty much the same they they stayed the same in (laughs) fpi fei and k ford dropped one spot in sp plus uh they're ninth in sp plus texas is third in sp plus but uh no i thought it was interesting this week because you know we we mentioned it about how Kind of the conventional wisdom for this game is that OU is that OU's the the clear underdog. They are Texas is the is the clear favorite in this game. They're expected to win. They got the big dogs. Computers don't really agree with that. The computers, Lee, as an aggregate, favor Oklahoma to not only cover in this game but to win this game. And so, so in I, aggregate I, in, in aggregate right. that is. And so, and I and I have the four here that I I kind of like. SP Plus is the only one that projects Texas to win. But they do project OU to cover the spread, though, in his little thing. He says, take OU against the spread in this. Uh, but you go to FPI, ESPN's metric, they have OU at a 54.6% win expectancy here, which, you know, I mean, that's, that's, that's a coin toss. That's what that is. Um, yep. FEI has OU as winning 32 to 31. It's another coin toss, obviously.
1: <laughs> K <FBI>. has Yeah.
0: <laughs> K-Ford has OU as, as, as one-and-a-half-point favorites. Oh, Another. Thank, Which, actually, that tells you a lot, considering the
1: books have them at, at a five and a half, six point dog. So, I mean, that's, that's a touchdown of value, in theory. So, yeah, I mean, you, you see that. If, if you buy into the K-Ford metrics, you're putting your, your biggest bet of the year down on OU, and you might be sprinkling a little bit on the money line, too, just
0: based no, on I mean, the No, I mean, this is a big week for, those, for a lot of those analytical models. There's, like, there's SP+, plus, and I think there's, like, one other that is favoring Texas and a lot of the other ones kind of favor OU by a little bit. It's, it's all by like a point or two. Um, and so, but yeah, I mean, if you're looking for value betting, the value is on OU in this game from a, you know, from a, from a better standpoint as of right now. Um, but I mean like, why is this the case? Why do, why do the analytics like OU more than Texas? Um, and, and, and it's like, I have to stress here. It's marginal in a lot of cases here. But they like it more because OU against their schedules, and this is adjusted for competition. OU's been more consistent than Texas this year. They they really have, especially in the offensive side of the ball, especially offensively. Well, well they've covered every game. Texas hasn't covered every game.
1: So I mean, for whatever that's worth.
0: Yeah, and so there's a, so if if you kind of dig into the analytics, Texas at times they struggle to finish drives when they get when they get into the into opponents territory, which if you kind of just look at their box scores, that's pretty clear because they've averaged over six yards per play in every game this year, but 40 points is the most they've scored in any game this year. So it's, they, they, they do. They're not a very efficient offense. They are, they've been very boomer bust this year. And so what does that say about this game? I, you know, it says that there's a window there for OU to get some stops is what that says oh, yeah. is yeah, that this absolutely. is not, like I, I, I think everybody looks at Texas and they flash a very high ceiling and their ceiling is really high. They have I like I said, they have they have a, they have the best trio of pass catchers in college football, in my opinion. And they have the best interior defensive line in college football. That's gonna take you a long way in this sport. Um, but they have they, they have some other demerits though as well. And so Quinn Ewers, who has been great these last two weeks, has been inconsistent this year. He's not great early in downs. Um, he's, he's been inconsistent with his accuracy. Uh, their offensive line has been leaky at times. Their, their pass protection has been nowhere near as proficient as OU's has been this year. And so give, give, give you know, Texas credit where they deserve credit, which is in a lot of areas. And they, just, they deserve a lot of credit for going in and beating Alabama and Tuscaloosa. A lot. There's a reason why that victory is carrying lots of weight, because just it just doesn't happen, really, in the last decade of this sport. That just doesn't happen, and and you know unless you're Joe and they, Burrow, and they certainly outplayed Alabama basically the entire game. That was I mean, Texas. I like, I should have won the game by more. I can say definitively that Texas is is considerably better than Alabama. At least yeah. just if if you just take that game as the Texas was like kind of clearly better after the first like few drives where it was like once it settled in, it was like, Oh yeah. Like Alabama, when they're on, when Alabama's on offense, they look like not, they just, they look like they can't compete really at times. Yeah. They needed a couple big plays.
1: They hit a couple, you know, to keep, you know, keep the score somewhat close, but you know, in, in Texas, I mean, Texas played well, they could have played better. Like they, like they could have scored more points. Like I mean, they they didn't play their best game against Alabama. You could argue. I mean, they played really well. Don't get me wrong, but like they could have played better.
0: Yeah, but (laughs) but I'd also argue that up to that point, that was kind of who they were. They were they did all the good things on offense they had been doing, but they bogged down. They were they were inconsistent at times, and um and that's been and you know what, the one thing I'll say though is that necessarily that really hasn't. Well, you know what? It has been the case against Baylor and Kansas because they went up and down the field on both Baylor and Kansas but didn't score as many points as they should have going up and down the field on them. And so, that's that's something to keep an eye out on. And OU, Lee, this year, I feel like, and I think the stats bear this out as well, once their opponents cross the 50, they've done a really good job of just preventing points being scored at all. Yeah. All right, where do you want to go from here? Do you want to Get
1: into the the matchups or want to get into some of these stats you have here, which are some of them are pretty interesting.
0: Yeah, we can get into the stats. I was kind of – this didn't necessarily go how I was going to. I I thought we would just kind of talk about the press conference and everything and uh, here's the analytical ranking roundup or whatever, and then I'd be like, all right, here we go. 2023 Red River Shootout, and I was going to set the stage for all of this. (laughs) But now that I go through and Uh, read all of these – these are kind of this this stuff is depressing, man. I don't, I don't really like reading this stuff. I mean, the last bullet point is the most interesting one,
1: I think. Yeah. Okay, here's uh, here
0: so we've already said first time both of these teams have been undefeated heading into this game in 12 years. 2011 the last time number 3 Oklahoma beat number 11 Texas 55 to 17. I think Texas is number 3 and OU is number 12 coming into this game. I hope that doesn't uh Hope that's not a bad omen, but also that yeah. was twelve years ago, and there's no such thing as jinxes or any sort of timeline. We're all falling. <laughs> anyway, um, OU Lee has been favored in thirteen of the last fifteen of these matchups, and obviously they have not been favored in the last two. These past two years, they were favored in thirteen in a row from two thousand and ten to two thousand and twenty-two. Already mentioned it, but that's still that we'll bears be 21, repeating. Right? Uh, I'm sorry. Yes, uh, for, to twenty twenty-one. Thank you for that but yeah um small, small here's here, here's here's where it gets a little dicey and this is i this supports kind of my feelings too about texas always not always but like at times and, and more often than OU playing above their heads in this game of the 10 biggest point spread upsets lee in ou texas history okay and this only goes back to 1989 because that's that's as far back as as the historical data goes that we can find on the internet Texas owns nine of the 10 biggest point spread upsets in since 1989. Uh, it is worth mentioning. OU does have the biggest one, though. They were 21 point underdogs in 1996 when they won 30 to 27 in overtime. But also Texas kind of stunk that year, too. So who cares? <laughs> so you're saying that just to make it more clear. So like
1: uh, since 1989, so that's, you know, 30. 33 games or so, roughly, maybe more, uh, whatever, whatever the number is, whatever the math is, uh, of the 10, like, obviously, there's a, as a favorite and an underdog in all these games. Uh, the, the 10 biggest underdogs to win in this game in the last 34 years, 33 years, nine of those underdogs have been Texas. Only one is, time Oklahoma That is won. correct. That Only is correct. one time it was OU, and... Just to make it feel better, that was actually the biggest number because OU was a 21 point dog and they won out, right? Which, but still, like, but, but you, it was in the points, middle like, of Texas OU's lost
0: decade and
1: just like, yeah, it, who so cares? like that
0: day was probably pretty
1: fun for the fans that were there in Dallas, but like overall, whatever, like, who cares?
0: Considering exactly. nine of the other 10, it was Texas beating a favorite OU team and upsetting them. Ugh. So at least since 1989, the underdog has won in this game 13 times. OU has been the underdog and won four times. As that aforementioned won in 1996. And then they won three consecutive years as an underdog, Lee. But I, I, just, I put a large caveat to these. Those three consecutive years were the year 2000, 2001, and 2002, where OU was a three-point underdog each time. Um, and they won by double digits each time. Of course, they won by, you know, they won by forty nine points in two thousand. They won by eleven, uh, and then twelve in back to back years. And so I, I just I put a huge caveat to those because Oklahoma, as those seasons progressed, was very clearly a much better team than Texas all three of those seasons.
1: Yeah, and those are coin flip. I mean, a three point spread. No, at OU Texas, as a coin flip game, that's all that is. I mean, uh,
0: so. But yeah, there's, right. but anyway, so yeah. And since 1989, Texas has won as an underdog nine times out of the 13 underdog wins. I, yeah, that's, unfortunately, I can say that I was there for one of them. Two of them, two of them. Sorry, everybody.
1: So say I was there for 2008. That was definitely one of them. And that's, that's it. Cause I've only been to, I've only been to four total. And OU is one in three when I'm at the Cotton Bowl. So that's that's great. Super.
0: (laughs) Okay, I'm uh, I'm three and three at the Cotton Bowl watching them. So that's that's cool. At least I I pulled even at 500. I will not be there on Saturday. But uh, yeah, I was there at that 2013. I I was there at that 2013 game. And that's that's probably my least favorite OU game I've ever been to in person. It just, it wasn't even, Texas was bad, like actually bad. OU was in the top 10 and undefeated, and they just come off winning in South Bend at Notre Dame, who had just played the national title the year before that. It was like two weeks before that. And it wasn't, they, OU lost 36-20. to It wasn't even that close. They got freaking run, got smoked. Ugh. Case McCoy, just day of his life. Oh, great, uh, great coaching job there by Mr. Stoops, I gotta say.
1: <laughs> really, really... Uh, the is, game?
0: I was in Dallas for the 2015 one, and that, that's I'm, that's the biggest one. That is the one where the like that 2015 Texas team is probably the worst Texas team of this like of that 13 year run that they had of of being mediocre. Um, and they and they beat I think probably the second best OU team in that in that in that run. I, I would say, in my opinion, that 2015 team was the second best OU team in that run so I I, that game was just an absolute there's a lot of bad words I want to use for that game I'll censor myself but it's just that's 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 what I'm searching for I, I haven't in my in my lifetime as an OU fan going into this game that's that's only only Texas fans have been able to to experience the satisfaction of a game like that and maybe you know, I we should be grateful that we, we. Oh, you just never been in that position before that Texas was in in that game. But uh, I, I'm tired of it. I'm tired of it. There's no reason why it should have happened other than just crazy mystical college football rivalry effery. That's all it is, and I'm sick and tired of that crap. And like, you if know, you know, yeah, I'm with you. You know, Texas fans will push back and say, man. That
1: 2020 game, that was insane, like the, all the overtimes, and OU won that one, and they'd say the 2021 game, man, our team was up by, what, three or four touchdowns, and then we ended up losing that game. But they, OU was...
0: They, they'd say, man, Texas we have was, all these bad games, Texas too. was bad that year, though. They weren't good. <laughs> I do not think OU was that good that year either, but as, yeah. soon, as, as soon as Caleb Williams was in the game, that was OU at their best, and Texas could not compete. Yeah, it's like, do they have, do, do Texas fans have like a team,
1: you know, going into that game where they kind of think, man, this could be a national title contender or at least like a top 10 team in the nation and OU's kind of down and then they get, they get beat by OU. Like, has, has that, I, I'm trying to rack my brain if that's happened
0: in our, no, in our, paying, in our, life like in our lifetime as an OU fan. Generation. That's, yeah. that's where we should be grateful or it's like, no. I mean, off the top of my head, since I've been an OU fan, Texas has come into this game with objectively the, like, on paper, the better team. I don't know. This is the fifth time it's happened since I've been an OU fan, I think.
1: So in like 30 years, basically, it's the fifth time. 25, 30 years. Yeah,
0: 2005, 2006, 2009, last year, and this year. Well, let's talk about why they are
1: the better team going into the game. And yeah, everyone knows about Quinn yours and you watch him play. He's good, man. He, I know it's, it's a, you know, kind of been talked about a lot that he's slimmed down and he's thinner. He lost like 20 pounds. And, I mean, it shows dude, like he looks like he looks trim. He can move. He can run pretty well.
0: The next time uh, I he hear, was, the next time I hear someone in the OU podcast cinematic universe, talk about yours. Like he's a statue back there. I'm going to pull my freaking hair out. People say that watch the games. Yeah, he is. He is going to be. He he is going to be so annoying on Saturday running.
1: He's not a statue at all. Like that's like Alabama did a nice job of keeping him contained, but he he can move, man. And like when he gets, he has really good straight line speed. <laughs> like, yeah. It, like that, I've, I mean, I'm I've heard, shocked. Like he's he's different.
0: It's just yeah. I, I don't. This is like he's he, he runs better than Rocco Beck does who and oh, Beck gosh, was able, yeah. to, was, was, was able oh, goodness, to run around yes. a little bit last week. So it's he runs.
1: I think he runs better. He, I think he runs better than Dylan Gabriel runs or it's like a toss up. I wouldn't. I think I he's faster than me. Dylan Gabriel. I wouldn't I think go he's that fast. Um,
0: he's probably faster than DG. Yeah.
1: I mean, they're, bo- they're both good at it. Don't get me wrong. I'm just like he's, he's surprisingly good at it. like his his mechanics are so he just looks like he doesn't have a care in the world. Uh, that's how it was last year. that's just his style and i feel like it's going to get in, it can get him into trouble sometimes uh but he's smart he's a good player uh he he had a streak of no interceptions thrown finally broken last week against kansas granted i did watch the a good portion of that wyoming game he should have had a pick against wyoming wyoming safety totally dropped an easy pick in the end zone so that streak should have ended in week what was that three so after the bama game uh so, I mean, he – you know, my thing is, like, he had this streak. He shouldn't have thrown a pick against Wyoming. Uh, early in the Kansas game on an RPO, he he threw one, a ball into, into harm's way, could have maybe been picked, and finally he threw, a, a, you know, kind of a bad pick late in the second quarter when they were trying to score, and Kansas said, nope. What if – what if the floodgates open against OU and Quinn Ears throws, like, three picks? Because Oklahoma's been able to th- – oklahoma's been able to get takeaways i know, like i think boy, that's that'd, the that'd
0: cool I, I guess yeah if you i think that's the that's the recipe if ou wins this game that's that's what it's going to be i you threw one saw, last year uh, yeah yeah <laughs> i saw a uh <laughs> that was, was that kind of like a too. sort of like a like a twitter conversation about you know, like what is, you know, what's, what's thinking about, you know, trying to defend Texas? Like, what are they going to try to do? How are they going to deploy like their defensive backs to, to cover their different receiving options while leaving enough guys in the box to defend Jonathan Brooks, la-di-da-di-da. And somebody said that it's unlikely that they really do a lot of that stuff. And they, you know, they focus most of their attention on confusing Quinn Ewers. And I think that's what it's going to be it's it's going to be a lot of weird blitzes a lot of a lot of simulated blitzes a lot of pressures coming from this direction oh just kidding this person is actually back in pass coverage it's coming from over here there's going to be a lot of that stuff I I think that is that's how they're going to try to to mess with them first you know for the most part
1: boy I hope so I mean you could make the argument and granted it's it's been more than a decade different offensive coordinators different players but I mean, that's what we saw from Brent Venables, that his scheme in 2009, the last time coming into the OU-Texas game, an OU defense was ranked, like, statistically this high, this good, 2009, and that was against a really good veteran quarterback in Colt McCoy, and it worked on him. I mean, Colt McCoy did not play. I mean, Oklahoma's defense was great in that game, so is it possible that Oklahoma could have a – like, do these guys know this defense well enough ne- – yeah, i mean this is year two they're playing better than last year but there's still a bunch of young players on this team like that's kind of like the the awesome best case scenario right Is like preventables has enough confidence in these guys that he can pull out this kind of a similar scheme that he pulled out over a decade ago that confused colt mccoy but this is quinn ewers who doesn't have as much experience as colt mccoy he has yes he has some but is maybe more susceptible to making mistakes than colt mccoy would have been back in 2009 i that sounds like a, a great plan to me if, if they can stop
0: the run. <laughs> no, exactly. Exactly. So curious to see, uh, you know, what they do there for sure. Because I think I, I think Texas is, like I said earlier, I, I think their ceiling on offense is really high. They still haven't gotten it all ironed out yet. And I think it's mostly just because their offensive line is definitely not elite. It's good. It's fine. I think OU's is probably better, to be honest with you. Which I, I think that, that's, you know, that's sacrilegious to say right now. I know. But uh, Kelvin Banks is really good, honestly, and that's pretty much all I can say about Texas's offensive line right now. I, they're fine. They're fine.
1: Well, I mean, they're able to run the ball a lot better than OU, so is that just Jonathan Brooks compared to OU's running backs, or maybe their offensive line is better than you're giving them credit for? At least no, maybe I in think, run blocking.
0: No, I, I, think, I, I think OU is significantly better at protecting the passer than Texas is. I think Texas is, is better run blocking than OU. If anyone with eyes would say that, yeah,
1: yeah. I, but I, also Texas I'd is say... not
0: is not great run blocking either. They really until you know they, they started to get going against Baylor and Kansas, but up until then they they were one of the most inefficient running teams in the country. They were worse than OU going into Week Four running the ball. And I and you know granted that was you know they had to place you know face Alabama in a game but i also played rice and wyoming in that span too
1: hey man wyoming's a good football team actually but there was clearly a alabama hangover in the first half of that game and they were kind of just like yeah whatever we don't like we're gonna beat this team
0: (laughs) almost certainly but also you know teams that are being talked up like texas as you know as as such a favorite in this game and potentially maybe a national championship contender is not tied with Wyoming at home at 10 in the fourth quarter. That's like that. That's mm. one of those instances where it's just like, ah, you know, sure. You, you give them the Alabama win and everything. And like, but also they have also shown a capability to play really mediocrely at times as well. Sure. But I think Wyoming actually pretty good. Like I, I think Wyoming's, I think Wyoming's
1: better in Cincinnati. Uh, I, Certainly better I, in Arkansas State.
0: I, I, I doubt that. I really doubt that. I, they're they're, a good they're better team, in Arkansas I think State. Had, I think they were playing their backup quarterback too in that game. I think I I think yeah, and they were playing. I, I suppose yeah, they weren't playing their backup against Texas Tech. But uh, like right now, that Wy- like Wyoming and Tulsa are are really evenly matched. Mm. That would be a close game. I wonder they might play a couple mid
1: majors. Who knows. Um, so here's the thing. So kind of looking at Texas on offense, I, I think, I mean, it'd be great, obviously, if Oklahoma can scheme up some ways to confuse him, get him uncomfortable, make some mistakes. He's got to get his, his yards through the air. Like Oklahoma's past defense – it's not bad, but it's it's been like the one kind of thing that's been weak, weak with the exception now of the run defense, which was bad in the first half against Iowa State, which is now I'm like, ugh. Because like I look back at the, the Alabama game I mean like, they, okay, can they replicate what Alabama did against, for say, like Jonathan Brooks? Because he was mostly a non-factor against Alabama. Alabama's run defense is really good. Uh, like you could have – there's more of an argument that, yeah, maybe they could do that. Uh, Oklahoma could do that against Texas until you saw them struggle in the first half against Iowa State. And you're like, all right. Like uh, Their run defense is still probably pretty good But probably not
0: as good as Alabama's Did you uh, see though? Yeah. St- Stutzman did say That everything that Iowa State did in the run game Was totally new this year Hadn't put it on tape, which is kind of what I expected huh. And But, and still you would, You'd still like to think uh, Their offensive line is so bad You'd still be able to stop them I, you know that Didn't end up being the case But I, I'd love to know how often it is That you see just totally different schemes Like that from game to game
1: yeah. I mean, you're telling me that they didn't... I mean, I know Oklahoma is obviously Oklahoma, but you're telling me Iowa State didn't have like that kind of stuff against Iowa, one of their biggest rivals, and they never can beat them? Like, you're telling me Matt Campbell didn't want to have some things that could work against Iowa? I don't I don't know if I buy that.
0: I mean, it could have been a... We're, we're preparing all... Remember, they had a new offensive coordinator. We're preparing all offseason. We're installing this stuff. That Iowa game is game two. They had just, like... Their offense didn't play particularly well against northern Iowa in the first game, but they still won you know via blowout. They won pretty comfortably. Yeah, they probably went into that Iowa game thinking, yeah, we're running our stuff that we've been implementing the entire summer and the entire offseason. And then they get, you know, they get four games into their schedule and they're like, Oh wow, we're literally the worst rushing team in college football. Let's go back to really simple, like kind of power schemes and just oh, sort of work on those. I see. And that's what they did. Like that there was like those when when Iowa State was busting off runs, they were just kind of just like power schemes, a lot of gu- a lot of like you know a lot of polling tackles and whatnot, and I don't know why they hadn't yeah, but- they hadn't really shown that on tape, and I guess nah. so. Who knows? Like, okay. I, and I'm, and I'm sure Texas is going to have some some weird stuff that they haven't shown on tape yet, but I I highly doubt that their entire running scheme for the game is going to be just plays that they had never run the entire season.
1: <laughs> right. Right.
0: Uh, let's see, uh, Jonathan Brooks.
1: Uh, watching him run, Grant, he looks like Jamal Charles to me. I don't know if it's just because he's in a text uniform, but his running style kind of looks like, which like, I guess would be similar to like Ramondre Stevenson, because that's kind of how Ramondre Stevenson looked too. I was gonna say, um, I, I
0: thought he looks, um, thought he looks like he looks like Kendre Miller when he runs, Kendrick which Miller, I know. I, I mean, see that's that. very Same number. Yeah. I know
1: was Miller 24 33 33 I think never mind Thought he was um,
0: th- actually I, I don't kid, I'm not
1: very good with numbers I don't know yeah uh he's good though I mean he's he gets his shoulder square and he can hit the hole and I mean he's got great vision and he's a handful
0: uh I mean no secret there he's one of the many I, I, talented playmakers I think he looks good he's a really smooth runner I I, I think he's he, he's better than anyone OU has right now I think that's pretty clear um I think yeah. I th- I think Kansas's run defense and defense in general is terrible, probably the worst in the Big 12 again. I don't know.
1: I, I, did, I don't I don't think so. I don't think they have a terrible defense. I think they I, actually I held think, their own decently well. I think they especially have a in the pass games. I don't know, man. I Wait, you thought you, I was
0: You thought Kansas held their own in that game defensively?
1: They got a they got a, a pretty healthy amount of stops, like more stops than I would have expected when I Texas saw them. just almost it. had 700 yards. Game texas had 700 yards
0: in that game almost they had like 670
1: i don't know i mean i i was i was pleasantly surprised by their ability to tackle and i i went in thinking it was going to look like kansas of last year and i don't know like i thought it was more impressive like the the texas defense played pretty well like I, jason bean's a good player even without Jalen daniel like bean's a pretty good player they, so i think so i don't know i mean i
0: I guess that uh, was such a weird game. I, I thought, and and this could have just been because Texas just rendered this the case. I thought Kansas looked awful. I thought I thought Kansas outside of Devin Neal, their running back, who who that was kind of the first time when I watched him, I was like, oh yeah, he's a dude. Like he's actually a really good player. Um, other than he was the only one who even belonged on the field. Kansas looked awful. They and yeah, like I, hey, I'm I I, I, I think Jason Beam Jason Beam has. And I, i said beam a lot on the last podcast but i guess it is jason bean like bean which is is stupid that's what a stupid name no offense but yeah um (laughs) but no i thought he looks terrible he was awful he was he was not ready to play that game yeah i guess the numbers aren't great
1: for i mean i I guess i I didn't get a chance to watch the fourth quarter they text scored two more touchdowns but i mean it was 26 to 14 at the end of the third quarter that's
0: and i kind of got that, uh, and that's where i pressed on I, time i think that so. is what and i i watched i pretty much watched every snap of that game until like halfway through the fourth quarter that texas obliterated kansas like it was they absolutely destroyed them that's where but that's the thing that gives you pause about about texas they were kicking the absolute crap out of kansas and were only up by 12 points going into the fourth quarter I don't, know, I don't think they were kicking the crap out of them. I I'm, mean, they're, they're beating pretty good. I, I watched the entire... They were killing them. Kansas did not move the ball. Texas moved the ball at will. <laughs> That's That was the game. Kansas only moved the ball on their two big plays. Other than that, they were totally impotent. Could not do anything. Texas went up and down the field the entire game.
1: Oh, why was I thinking they were getting more... St- I guess maybe I'm thinking of the... I'm probably thinking of the Wyoming game, actually. they're They're, they're getting a lot of stops. I thought... I guess Kansas. Yeah, I guess field goal. They're holding the field goals. They missed a field goal. Of course, Texas kicker looks shaky. He'll he'll go four four on Saturday. He, he won't. He won't oh, miss. Oh yeah. He'll, we did talk about this. We talked about the whole field goal thing a couple of years ago. I remember I I looked back at the numbers and stuff and figured out the last time they missed a field goal. I I probably have that in my notes somewhere. I could go find. But they uh, missed a field they, goal. In, Texas has missed a field goal. They they've missed a
0: kick since. No, Sorry, they what? missed one. They missed one in recently we that's because yeah. that's when we were bringing it up but no it was like they actually had it had been it had been over 10 like 10 years until they had missed one though like it was yeah no i i went back and looked at it and did the math and it was, it was
1: i want to see how many shows you've done in this, this podcast
0: like i, I want to say it was basically in that that 13 year run that i mentioned they missed one kick and it was the time that we were talking about i think they missed one in, in 2021 I'd buy it. I'd
1: buy that. Uh, we got this far. We've not even talked about their their pass catchers, which are all really good. Like, uh, I think before the season, I I, I kind of mentioned I was like, yeah, like I just they're just they're receivers, whatever. They're just guys. Like I, the more I watch Xavier Worthy, the more I get it. He's just he's really fast. Like he's very explosive. So it's like okay, I I, I see why he's a guy that is going to be a guy that plays in the NFL. Uh, and then I mean the the eighty. Ad Mitchell on I know he's got some good numbers. He does. I mean, he looks like he's a good player. But yes, sure. Like the, the two main ones is, is Worthy and Jatavian Sanders. And oh, I, I
0: totally did. Ad Mitchell is their best
1: receiver. I okay. I I just I guess I don't, I don't. I mean, I didn't see the Baylor game. Did he have all of his stuff in the Baylor game? Because
0: no, he, he just he just. I think he just looks better. Xavier Worthy is still struggling with drops every now and then. Worthy's good, like, don't get me wrong. I, A.D. Mitchell is, like, is, is potentially, like, first-round NFL pick. Good. Oh. I guess I, mean, I just was, haven't – maybe I just haven't watched enough, but I, I haven't seen was, that so far. He was never really that healthy at Georgia, but every time he was, he was their go-to guy in the college football playoff in both of their national championship seasons when they had Brock Bowers on their team. Yeah, he's really good. I mean, he hadn't. Okay, he hadn't done anything until
1: the Kansas game. And honestly, like, did he do everything in the fourth quarter? Because, I, the first three quarters, I don't really. Remember, I remember like maybe two catches from him.
0: Oh, I don't so, want to be playing. Oh, I don't want to be playing. He's so good. He he's the one who scares me the most. Let's see. Yeah, he yeah, a touchdown in the fourth
1: quarter, against against Kansas. Yeah, so I didn't see that one, but. Uh, and he, what he had a couple touchdowns against Bama. It must have been later in that game too, because I, I I stopped watching after uh, when I stopped watching the Bama game after Texas in like six plays went from losing to to winning by double digits. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Had, I mean, so that's why because he's he's done all this stuff in the fourth quarter. So basically. If uh, you can just pr- just defend him in the fourth quarter, then
0: you'll be good. All right, good to see. But it also so brings be, up. Well. I, but I mean, we should talk about Jatavi and Sanders too, which I think um, his numbers are. I mean, he's, he's, he's been he's very. Ex- gonna, he's got to play. He's, he's been gonna gonna very play, explosive either. this year. Um, and are, I mean, you're saying that just because you're just a, just assuming that is not going to be lucky with injuries. Well, yeah.
1: I mean, uh, well, it's not, it probably won't be a hundred percent, but I mean, he walked off. He went to the locker room. I mean, I think it's it's not good for Texas. I mean, it's obviously uh, you got to say that the, the standard thing. Oh, you don't want a guy to be injured. Blah
0: blah blah. Whatever. Everyone, but like
1: he oh, I'll, I'll left say the I game. I don't
0: care. It's his ankle. He's not going to be. He's not going to get amputated. Yeah. I don't. I would much like, rather like him did, not play he, in this game.
1: He got rolled up on, and he did leave the game. It was early in the game against Kansas, and the game was in doubt. I mean. It was like seven nothing, ten nothing. And they they sent him to the locker room. So it's like, well, I don't know. I mean, he's got a whole week to to rest it and get ready. Uh, yeah, they're they're not gonna give us any updates. Why would they? So yeah, we'll see. But that would be a big miss if he was out.
0: Yeah, I know. I, I've heard a lot of people talk about, you know, if, if Jatavian Sanders is like a hundred percent, just assume he's a hundred percent and if he's playing, you know, who how does OU deal with that? Who do they kind of, you know, shat, have shadow him? And I think everybody is kind of, and I agree with this, has just sort of settled on probably we'd be most comfortable with Peyton Bowen. And that's I that's kind of where I'm at too. Mm, yeah, I guess. I mean, unless DeSan McCullough can do it. He can't. That's That's the one area where I'm... I Like, that's the one where if I'm Texas, that I'm going after him all game. I'm trying to get him into coverage and just going after him.
1: Maybe. There's other guys I can go after. Texas defense has some guys Oklahoma can go after. Yes, um, they do.
0: That was the one. Um, I guess, I mean, did you have anything else on their offense?
1: Uh, also, Jordan Whittington's still there. I feel like he's been there forever. Uh, he's, uh, he's a good possession
0: receiver. He's a, he's uh, a, a nice good. college player.
1: Yeah. I mean, just—I guess the thing with Texas offense, we all probably know. I mean, it's—it's it's very interesting how much how many things they do side to side. So tackling will be very important because uh, they want to get their guys in space. They throw a lot of stuff side to side to get people going. Uh,
0: I'd say they throw so many corner routes. I, I gosh, I, I would—I would hope that they've been able to break that down to like if gosh if they can sit on that. I feel like I feel especially against Baylor and, and Kansas just. They threw so many corner routes that were just wide, stinking open.
1: Hmm. Interesting. I didn't. I didn't uh, catch that. Uh, but uh, I do see that. Obviously, there's especially against Bama. Not surprising because Bama's really good. And against OU, it's gonna be the same thing. There's so much, so much eye candy with Sark. There's so much backfield stuff. And like they got to have eye discipline. And man, I. I am so not looking forward to whenever they run one of their stupid-looking, like, fake run play. It looks like a screen, but then they throw the screen back the other side of the play, and they have the the offensive line there to block. And ah, oh, that's such a good play, <laughs> It's such a cool play. <laughs> and they're gonna run it, and they're gonna get like fifty yards off of it probably with Brooks. And I'm gonna be like, I even though Oklahoma knew that was coming at some point, they still couldn't stop it because it's really good. Uh, just their offense is really good. Sark is very smart. Sark is, uh, is, is good at drawing up the old plays. Uh, other than that, I think, uh, and this is, you could say this for every game, so it's not that in-depth, but for this game in particular, like, organic pressure with the front four is going to be key. Like, I mean, it won't happen every play, but if they can generate that pressure with the front four, they can speed up Quinn Ewers, get them kind of thinking, especially without blitzing all the time, Quinn yours will throw it up to you.
0: And also, I you know, I've heard of, like if if Texas offensive line does have a weakness, it is the interior of the offensive line. They've kind of struggled to protect a little bit in the interior. You know, OU really loves that double a gap blitz with Kanick and Stutzman this year. In fact, I mean, they just they they ran Cincinnati just crazy with that. They just Cincinnati had no answer for that whatsoever. Texas, I'm sure, is is going to be prepared for that because they've done it a lot this year. Curious to see what OU is going to build off of that. Cause they're going to have some stuff off of that for sure to try to confuse their protection and, and yours and every that and everything. So, but also man, it was, I, I kind of, I randomly rewatched kind of like a no huddle, like a little 40 minute, every play cut up of the Cincinnati game this morning. And man, they, they ran that double a gap blitz a lot against Cincinnati and Man, Canick squirting through there really quickly is, is a sight to behold. It's really fun to watch. Like I, it'd be really cool if we see that a lot on Saturday.
1: You know we also really love the double-A gap blitz from the linebackers? Tell me. Ruffin McNeil in 2018. Remember when they used to do that with uh, Curtis Bolton all the time? Buzzy. That was, like their third, that was like their third down thing, and then it got to the point where it was so predictable and it stopped working.
0: All right. Uh, Wait, so you're, you're, d- you're implying that there was stuff that defense was doing that worked at times? It's pretty
1: Well, after the, after the Mike Stoops firing, there was a couple things that worked, and then it regressed back into the worst Power 5 defense of all time. Um, okay, so the Texas defense, it's, it's been elite. It's really good. Uh, doesn't mean that there are some holes there that Oklahoma can't exploit, but overall it's a really good defense. Best they, obviously the best that they will have faced so far this year uh and the fact that oklahoma has struggled to run the football is uh not great because then it's a it's a dg game and he's been really good but texas is going to know that and they're going to say you know what we're gonna make dylan gabriel beat us and we don't think he can that's going to be pete kwiatkowski's thought that's going to be their secondary thought everybody's thought they're like nope, nah, we don't think he's gonna be able to beat us and so dylan gabriel and jeff levy and those big old receivers you have to prove them wrong so we'll see what happens. Uh, I don't have as, as much in-depth stuff with the on the defense, with the exception of there's there's one particular player that I, I really hope Oklahoma can make look stupid on Saturday.
0: I'm I'm hoping I'm I'm wondering if it's if we think it's the same guy.
1: <laughs> well, I, let's save it then. Let's tease it ahead in case you have other stuff you want to talk about because I, I don't have a whole lot of in-depth stuff. I mean they're really good. I know their front their front seven's really good. Uh, but um, if you have any more, I, I I'm sorry I, I don't have as many things to say about their no, defense that's that okay did about the offense.
0: Um, my thoughts on Texas's defense are that their defense is is really good. I think at at times they've looked like the best defense I've seen so far this year. Uh, they just they play really well together, and I you know in terms of like elite NFL talent, I think their best player is Tavondre Sweat, their defensive tackle. Um, and I think other than that, the one guy who like really jumps out to me who is like oh wow that guy's impressive is Ryan Watts, one of their corners who is. I think, I think he's more up in the air this week to play than Jatavian Sanders is. Um, we'll see there, but he's a guy, he's a real big body. Other than that, you know, Jade Barron, who is their nickel, he's a really good college player. Um, he's a guy who, like, he's very active, um, like him a lot. Jalen Catalan, uh, that transfer from Arkansas, he's a safety. He hasn't played a whole lot. He doesn't start necessarily for them. Um, but one area where, where Texas has shown a, maybe a bit of a weakness is is this? They give up some big plays in the passing game, which um, I, those those plays have been there every single game so far for OU. Big plays in the passing game they have been there for them if they want them. They didn't really try for them at all in the SMU game, which was weird. Um, and honestly, going back and watching, they didn't really try against Cincinnati either, which is which is weird. So um, it's been five games. We have identified the strength of this OU offense, and it, it's it's snapping the ball to DG and having him throw to receivers. Um, thankfully, if I had to pick one thing for a college offense to be good at, that's what I would want them to be good at. So that's, I. yeah, I don't really know what else to say is, I, you know, I hope they can run the ball a little bit in this game, only just to keep them honest so that some of the play action shots can work. Um, but this is a game where Dylan Gabriel is going to have to, throw into tighter windows to his very good receivers um with with five or six guys back in coverage for texas that's that's what this game is going to be and i know jeff levy is probably going to have some stuff that he's drawn up that's probably going to work that he's going to get texas on Um, but other than that it's going to be about playing and play out dg making the good plays and man he's got to let it rip he's he has to he cannot play with any sort of trepidation in this game He's got to go out thinking, you know what? I'm just letting it all hang out, baby. Let's roll.
1: Yeah, oh. no, I agree, and uh, and, and this is—I mean, this will be the best. And even though Texas has played Alabama, I think this is going to be the the best offense they've seen, the most complete offense, and that's mainly because of the quarterback. I mean, this is Dylan's going to be the best quarterback they've seen so far. And, I, I mean, it would have been Jalen Daniels large. probably.
0: I yeah. think even like with. With Jalen Daniels getting hurt in warm-ups last week and Jason Jason Bean coming in and clearly not being ready for the game plan that they had implemented for Texas. Um, I mean this is this is far and away the best offense that Texas has played. I and like I, I, I think Alabama is is serviceable on offense like overall. Like they're they're gonna move the ball pretty effectively on a lot of people. Um, but Alabama also can't complete forward passes with any sort of consistency. Which is, this is the first this is the first offense they have faced where they they can complete forward passes. And in college football, you haven't faced a good offense until you face a team that can do that. Period. I mean, consistently,
1: um, because yeah, I mean Jalen Milroe, like his couple of his, of his picks were so bad. I mean they set up Texas in great spots. I mean really easy reads. <laughs> I mean, just like there's a couple oh of other gracious.
0: picks that he should have thrown that didn't happen. I mean, there was one that was literally yeah. in Texas's hand and it bounced to an Alabama receiver in the end zone. It got called back oh, yeah. for a penalty. Got called back for a, a, an Alabama penalty, but it would have been a Texas pick if the guy just would have caught it.
1: I think that was their best. Isn't that their best for linebacker? Was that, was that Ward? I think that dropped that. Jalen Ford. Uh, yeah, I Ford. Think so. Whatever his name is. I'm just not good with names. I, I know numbers. I know he's 41. Uh, yeah. But, so, I that was a huge part of that game where milro that's the best option alabama has but he's clearly he's a limited player he's a good runner he can move but not as good a passer obviously as a bryce young who they've had
0: and so texas's defense like i they're they're not bad at anything but like i said if there's if there's one area where OU can pick on they might be able to get some stuff down the field behind their safeties and texas is, is they are not in any shape, way, or form an elite pass-rushing team. Their best pass rusher is Anthony Hill, a freshman linebacker. Uh, their two defensive ends, Baron Sorrell and Ethan Burke, they're fine. They're, like, I, I, I think they're solid players, but they're not guys that, to the level that OU's offensive line is pass-blocked this year, if Texas only sends four, Dylan Gabriel is going to be clean for a majority of the game. I, I truly do believe that.
1: Well, then he's got to make the right reads and, and obviously throw some good some good balls. I, I really like what Pete Kwiatkowski does. At least I saw this more against Alabama than I saw against other teams, but, man, I like I like that he, he's able to disguise rushers so well. Like, so many times they'll show up, you know, five guys at, at, you know, on the line. They'll only rush four, but it's like, where are the four coming from? You know, one's always going to kind of drop out, and that kind of stuff is it's just impressive me as a quarterback that's got to be tough man like it's like man like, I, I know all these guys aren't coming at me but I don't know which guy's gonna drop you have your reads and so I that's tough uh so hopefully Dylan
0: and Jeff Levy can be prepared for that I think I think Bill Biedenbaugh is really good at teaching that of how to deal with that because like I said, like I'll say, like OU has been a very good to an elite pass blocking team for like 13 straight seasons. So it's, I, that's, that's a Bill ball thing, I believe. And I don't like, I want to knock on wood because, you know, I don't want this. It's, it's not that they're, they're not vulnerable to, to stuff like that. But it's, from what we've seen so far, that's OU's offensive line when they are asked to pass block and just OU's receivers being awesome are their, are the strengths of their team. For the most part, at least on their often on the offensive side of the ball. So, do we want to do we want to go back to that the thing that we teased earlier? Because when I was watching them, the the few games that I kind of dipped in and out of this week while I was watching Texas, um, I I there they do have one glaring weakness of a player that plays a lot of snaps for them. I really do believe this. Do we think it's the same person? No, I don't think so. I think it's different. My guy, who least, I I think yeah. is is really kind of mediocre he's slow uh safety jaron thompson um
1: well he's the guy that had a pick six he had a pick against bama he had a pick six against kansas or was that uh wyoming so he's a ball hawk and i guess you could play around with him and see if you could use his aggressiveness against him uh but uh no he's not the guy that i i think i i i think and i guess you brought it up he's this dude's not a full-time starter so he's not gonna play every snap but uh Boy, oh boy, pick on orange number 11, Catalan, the transfer. He seems to be the Key Lawrence of Texas. Like, he wants, all he wants to do is just make the big, crushing, powerful hits in like the run game. Uh, but man, he's bad in pass coverage. Like that, the big touchdown, 58 yard touchdown pass against KU last week, that was on him. He's in, he's in deep half coverage. He came up, didn't even think about the guy behind him, gave up wide open. So, I I not think he's poor in pass coverage. I think he's a guy that just wants to be back there to make hits. And so if you can play around with him, number eleven in orange or white, whatever he's gonna be wearing, uh, that's a guy that to pick on. And if the guy that you brought up is also a player they could pick on, two guys in the back half, that would explain why they you know they've been a, you know maybe been susceptible to some to some big over the
0: top pass plays this year. So I'm gonna before we kind of move on to our pick segment here, I'm gonna this is this needs to be the mindset for the offense. It's just gonna be numbers. 1345. One for Jaden Gibson, three for Jalil Farouk, four for Nick Anderson, five for Andrew Anthony. That's your offense in this game. 1345. That's what you're doing. Get the ball into their hands. Please, I beg of you. I beg of you. Uh Jalil Farouk over under three and a half carries this game
1: as a running back. <laughs> <No>.
0: <laughs> I mean, that's a good question. Like, that's what I want to. This is the stuff I know, that I want to see. see. Like, let me, like, oh, my gosh, like, please come out into, like, zero personnel. And then, and then, ha- and then flex, like, Farouk into the backfield. Oh, my gosh, please.
1: All right, well, 11 a.m. kickoff. Uh, obviously, you'll be in Minnesota. I'll be, I'll be back here in Oklahoma. I got to travel on Sunday, so I thought, nah, I'm not going to go to Dallas. Uh, especially after last year. Thankfully, didn't didn't have to pay for anything because I was working at News 9, but uh, that would have been horrible. Having to pay a bunch of money this year. Granted, the game's better. Uh, it would have been a pretty penny, and I, I, don't, I don't know if I want to pay a bunch of money to watch them in a game where if they, if they win, obviously it's exciting, it's awesome, it's worth the trip, but man, like they're, they're underdogs. So you know, paying a bunch of money for the first time in a long time to see them maybe lose just didn't sound fun to me, especially considering I got to get on a flight at 8 a.m. on Sunday morning. So uh, we'll see. We'll enjoy it, and uh, we'll hopefully enjoy it, and we'll, we'll
0: record a podcast afterwards. We'll see how it, uh I mean, right when the game ends on Saturday, I'm going to drive two miles down the road and go to campus and start tailgating for Gophers in Michigan, which is a night game. Oh, cool. So I, I, I Wait, hope I so get to see, hope I get to see just back-to-back upsets. One, a small upset. The second one, a large, massive – landscape changing one that's not going to happen but that'd be fun though
1: well now i'm learning here that in the middle of the show or we have a, a podcast record issue then for for this post-game podcast because i'll be traveling i'll you're gonna be gone all night i gotta hit an 8 a.m flight sunday morning and won't be able to do anything until
0: probably middle late afternoon now oh, we'll figure something out we'll go uh, oh boy i mean right now we'll I mean, we'll just. I think we're
1: going to learn that our our, our post game
0: Texas OU pod is going to be a little bit later than normal. Or we just, uh, or we'll record something just really quick, like literally right when the game ends. Well, I'm going to be. I think I'm going to be out watching the game, not at home. Oh, so. look at this guy! He's this a popular guy. He's got plans. Okay, I'm sorry. I didn't. I didn't, yeah. I thought you know. I think I guess we both have plans. All right, who cares? All right, Big Twelve. Talk about
1: the Big Twelve. Let's see. Let's see. Uh, K-State at Oklahoma State. K-State, 12-point road favorite. Oklahoma State's not good. I don't have any thoughts on this game. Number seems about right to me. Maybe, I mean, Kansas State usually plays pretty well, I feel like, against Oklahoma State, especially in Stillwater, so that actually might be a, a decent number to, to grab the Wildcats. The line is Both the Line's come funky to me. line's funky to me. Think it should be more?
0: Yeah. Oklahoma State's terrible. Yeah.
1: Both come off a buy, I think. I think they were both off last week. I don't know. Got to have a game. Oklahoma State's desperate. Yeah, I guess twelve is kind of a weird number. I wouldn't touch it. UCF at Kansas, Kansas minus two. I mean, Jalen Daniels is his health is an issue. I don't know if he's gonna be able to play. I know UCF freaking blew a game against Baylor last week. I don't. I mean, whether it's Daniels or Bean, I kind. I mean, I I think I would definitely like Kansas. A short number at home coming off a loss of texas so if i had to play that game i'd probably jump on kansas minus the points the two points
0: yeah i don't really have a good feel for that game i just like UCF i ucf coming off a, a
1: crushing loss too though sorry
0: yeah that's true i just i have and i think you and i are on different side i just i have zero respect for kansas playing defense they're just atrocious on that side of the ball i i don't know, i mean
1: i guess well, i guess this is a good test i mean now it's not texas it's ucf ucf has a good offense statistically kansas's defense is really good going into that texas game and i, I can kind of see why they can tackle
0: they can so yeah, 94th in sp plus defense i just okay i yeah that's not good good defenses don't give up nearly 700 yards to anybody
1: yeah texas i, I just don't think they're atrocious i think I think it's probably a a fine, okay defense that can beat UCF at home by more than two points. Texas Tech's uh, one-point favorite on the road at Baylor. Texas Tech had a got a habit game last week knocking off Houston, bad Houston team. Uh, Basically a coin flip game. Baylor's not a good football team, but they just had a crazy come-from-behind win over UCF. I don't know. I I actually, uh, yeah, I have no comment on that game.
0: You have any feel? I don't. Honestly, I'd probably lean Baylor in this one. I just because I just I have no idea. I have no clue. Shaping is back for Baylor, I, he is man. I, I'd still lean Tech, and Tech is still remember. Shuck is out. Shuck's out for the season, basically. So, yeah, but I mean yeah, this actually, this has got to have not it. Even playing it. This has got to have it for Tech. They're like right. They lose for this both. game. Their season's like over. They they can't. They're not going to be able to to come back from it. Well, that's, that's back-to-back got to have a game. I mean, they had to have
1: last week against Houston. I got to go on the road to have it against Baylor. So, I mean, they're, they're already playing their playoff games right now. <laughs> so, take that for what it's worth. Uh, and, you know, this TCU lane 6.5 at Iowa State, that's kind of weird too because I get it. It's at Iowa State. I kind of think it's too easy to take TCU. Like, under a touchdown, like I don't, it, it almost seems like a trap line to me because like, Iowa State still sucks. I think TCU is a pretty good football team. They clearly have bounced back since that first game against Colorado. So I don't know. Yeah, I'm that's not sure. I'm to
0: curious to see if uh, if Iowa State does anything on the offensive side of the ball in this game. And obvi- I mean, what if what if Iowa State just totally shuts down TCU and they just can't do anything? I think that's 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 where that's that's where that's in. like if let's say TCU covers, but they win like 20 to 10 or something. Like, are we gonna are we gonna feel Worse or better about OU? Well actually it doesn't matter. This is gonna be after the we're gonna we're gonna find out all we all we want to know yeah. about OU and you know at eleven o'clock on Saturday. So let's go to our
1: pick segment.
0: Let's see, last week Grant. Five and and0 man.
1: Yeah, I had a good week
0: last week. I had a good week. And I did five I five and o. I did put my money where my mouth was on all of those. Those were all bets that I actually placed real money on. I don't think Indiana any of them Addy. were over five dollars, though. So, still not really rolling something. in it.
1: Uh, you're five and zero. You're thirteen and twelve on the season. I was three and two. Another winning week. I mean, with the vig, I mean, it's almost like you're pushing. But I think I'm. I feel like I'm seeing. I'm seeing the college game pretty good right now, and also NFL pretty good. Like I'm not, not like nothing to write home about, but I feel like I'm like I'm there's certain games with certain numbers i'm like i like that one like more than others like last week on the podcast i said that man i took lsu i think against old miss but like that was my least favorite pick and as the week went on i realized like i don't like that pick at all i i want to go the other way and so my second i guess feeling was correct about that one uh but it, for you you're you're right on all of them so we'll start this week big number here Ohio State laying twenty at home against Maryland. Man, why such a big number,
0: Grant? What are we doing here? This is hard. I don't well, know. it's interesting. I mean, this is I'm on the. These are uh, Maryland's five and zero. Ohio State coming off of a bye oh, wow. after their very dramatic win on the road against Notre Dame. So, I don't know. This is sort of a Maryland's played really well. They've kind of they've they've blown out some teams in their in their five game winning streak to start the season. Tua's brother Taulia Tongue of Viola has been really good this year and actually I think he's he's always been pretty decent I've I've actually always really enjoyed watching him play um I'm a, I'm going to go with Maryland in this one actually and it's it's mostly just cuz I, I think Maryland I I think Maryland's just a solid team like I I mean like Ohio State's going to win like 41 to 24 or something and that's that's a big number 20 is a big number for a a team that's 5 and 0 and An Ohio State team that basically against anybody with a pulse this year, they've been in knockout dragout games. Yeah, I think my handicap here will be without he, having seen
1: Maryland play one snap this season. That Ohio State's defense will strangle them, and that that offense will look really bad. They'll they'll score maybe a touchdown, and Ohio State will win by thirty. So I'll totally, have I mean, yeah, I mean that's a it's reasonable. Next up, LSU. A five and a half point road favorite at Missouri, uh, LSU coming off a loss, kind of like LSU is kind of in desperation mode as far as like oh SEC and everything. I'm not sure if I if I think Missouri's any good. I know they had the win over Kansas State at home, so I, I could be totally wrong about it. like I'm not confident in this. But back and forth, like I th- I think this is a spot where I do want to play LSU coming off a loss, laying less than a touchdown. I think Missouri home field advantage. Uh, um, nothing really that special so i'll grab lsu minus the points
0: i'm also going to be on lsu here this is one yeah this is definitely uh you're gonna have to prove it to me missouri game um I, I mean this is a gotta have it for lsu they're they're i mean they're probably not going to make the playoff although i guess they have a small chance if they're like an 11 and 2 sec champion but yeah, I mean, they they can't lose another SEC game if they want to make the SEC championship. Which with that defense, maybe kind of a silly thought now, anyway. But LSU has been, for as bad as their as bad as their defense has been, their offense has been great. It's been really good ever since like ever since the second half ended against Florida State when they were terrible on offense. They've just been rolling on offense. Like that clearly was not the problem against Ole Miss last week. <laughs> So, um, I, I I kind of love it. This I all of those awful, terrible LSU fans deserve an inverse of what their last twenty years of their life have been. They deserve to see ultra incredible offense with, gosh, literally cannot stop a nosebleed defense. <laughs> that's funny. That's a good point. Yeah,
1: after they were just they couldn't move the ball at all in offense, but they have great defense. That's that's funny. That's a good. That's a good. Good observation. Man, I hate this next game because I just don't. I, I, I. Part of me thinks that this should be easy, Bama at A and M. Bama's a, a two point road favorite. Like, I, I, you see, Alabama in such a short number against Texas A and M. I just feel like, oh, obviously you want Alabama because, <laughs> but like A and M's defense apparently is good. It's like stopping everybody. I just don't know if they can score. Like I know, like their main, like Wegman's not their quarterback anymore. They 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 have their backup in that he was able to get, You know, the Brad Johnson's kid. He was able to get a win last week, which uh, yeah, I was on the other side of A and M last week, and they proved me wrong uh, against uh, who they who they beat up on. Last, was it Auburn, Wait, Arkansas, I believe? Oh, it was Arkansas. Yeah, and they covered they, they covered Arkansas. They killed Auburn
0: game. two weeks ago.
1: I mean they they didn't score a lot of points against Auburn but they only gave it like a field goal to Auburn. It was like 20 to 3 or something. I don't know. It was a pretty low score. Maybe 27 to 3. So that's that's So I mean A&M's playing some good football right now. They Bama's getting them A&M in a bad time. Oh, man. My guts my guts saying Alabama. I'm going to go Alabama.
0: I'm going the opposite direction. Screw it. I'm going all chaos. I'm going SEC chaos.
1: SEC chaos. S.E. chaos. Okay, Grant, is this, this next is wrong. line correct? This is wrong. I, okay. s-
0: I screwed this up. I am wrong on this. I am sorry. I just know from looking at it a lot this week, Georgia is favored by 14 and a half. Oh, gosh. Okay, so... <laughs> I mean, it's an honest mistake, but... I just yeah. I just didn't... I, I clearly copied it over from last week and didn't and didn't remove okay. the number. I just put the names in. So, you, yeah, you... <laughs>
1: Originally, you had Kentucky as a two and a half point road favorite at Georgia. I was like, I don't know if that's right. Like, so okay, so you're saying Georgia is a fourteen and a half point home favorite against Kentucky, who is uh, playing some good football right now. Uh, but also, here's the thing about I I'm gonna grab man, I would why would Georgia be looking ahead to Kentucky last week
0: against Auburn? I mean, Georgia's got planes. no one. Like that's their. That's what's interesting about Georgia this year is like is their battle against complacency. They don't have their schedule just does not really have any big time like Tennessee is still the biggest game on their schedule. And Tennessee is like pretty meh. Man, interesting. I think they might play Ole Miss actually. But that's later they do. on. And um, Missouri. <laughs> and Florida. So So I'll start on this one. I'm actually gonna take Kentucky in this one. And, um, I'm going fully on now, like, obviously like not going to be like, I'm not going to stand on a podium and like, and stomp my feet for Kentucky in this game. That's, that's not what it is. This is fully Georgia is just like, they screwed around so much in their first five weeks. You do have to start to question is, is that just who Georgia is? And I, and still, still a really good team, like really good. But like I said last week, they look like Georgia did before Stetson Bennett was their quarterback, which just means good on defense can run the ball. A lot of the time can be good on offense every now and then, but are not going to blow you away with a lot of explosiveness and high, high flying acrobatics. And that's sorry. You need, you need that these days to win national championships and to be really good. So I'm, I'm an, I'm, I'm basically banking on Georgia doing the exact same thing they've done the first 5 weeks of the year. It's going to be like Kentucky's going to be up like 10 to 7 at halftime. Georgia's going to win. Man, I don't know. 21 to 10. 24 to 10.
1: I'm going to go Georgia mainly because I was here a couple of years ago. It's all coming back to me. I was on jo- the same matchup, Georgia at home against Kentucky a couple of years ago and I remember tracking it at, at inside Owen Field. And if, I'd be damned if Mark Stoops didn't come back and freaking cover the number and, like, played for the cover with his decisions. And I was so mad that Georgia couldn't cover that. And so you think, oh, I got to back Kentucky here because Mark Stoops knows that stuff. Kentucky, uh, Kentucky now has legal sports betting for the last couple of weeks, which that just happened last week. That would have been a perfect spot to go all in on Kentucky because, like, the state gets gambling. Of course the, the football team's is going to roll. That's just the way things work, right? So, but no, like I think karma and like the universe wants me to think that I gotta go Kentucky here to cover. I'm gonna push back. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna say Georgia can do it this time. <laughs> that's that's my handicap. <laughs> last okay, this number, this next this this number's weird to me, man. Notre Dame on the road. Six and a half point favorite at Louisville. I Notre Dame crazy. I mean, lucky to get a cover last week. Uh Against, uh, who'd they play last week again? Duke. Yeah. Duke. Uh, So back-to-back road games for Notre Dame. At Duke, now at Louisville. Road Uh, night games.
0: Road night games. OU fans would be so pissed. Would be so pissed if that was them. Like, oh, you're two back-to-back road night games? I'd be pissed, too.
1: This line seems like a trap to me, though. Because, like, I love thinking, like, oh, Notre Dame under a touchdown. That's kind of what I thought last week against... You know, but mainly it was Notre Dame coming off of that crazy loss to Ohio State under a touchdown against a Duke team that's good. But I was like, I don't know about Duke. I, Notre Dame's not going to, to figure him out. Similar scenario gets a Louisville team that I don't. Man, this is these are some tough games this week, man. Like my favorite play is probably Ohio State, and that's a twenty point number. Man, I. This is probably wrong. I'm going to go Louisville, but it doesn't feel good.
0: You know what? I'm also going to go with Louisville here. I feel like this this number is telling us to take Louisville. I think There's Notre Dame and it.
1: USC play next week? Was that coming up? Maybe USC I mean, stretch of like tough games is coming up pretty soon. It's like the the their back half of their schedule
0: is USC and Notre huh. Dame play next week, six thirty PM Aha. on NBC. I'm good really catch. excited for that game. I'm really excited for that game.
1: Great catch. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Definitely on Louisville. And that this actually might between that and Ohio State could be my, my two favorite plays now. Because the number the number is telling you to take Louisville. Because I feel like if this was like actually seven or seven and a half, it's almost like, oh, why wouldn't I want to take Louisville? Oh, it's because we think Notre Dame's actually pretty damn good and they're going to cover. It's a trap line. Uh, I think some people don't believe in trap lines, but I do. <laughs> uh, good call. Good good catch on the USC game upcoming. All right, let's recap. Ohio State, Maryland. I am going to lay the 20 with the Buckeyes at home. You are going to take the 20 with Maryland. We are both on LSU laying five and a half at Missouri. I am on Alabama minus the two on the road at A&M. You are going to take the two points with the Aggies. We're also split on Georgia and Kentucky. I'm on Georgia minus the 14 and a half. You're taking the Wildcats and the 14 in the hook. And we are both agreeing on Louisville plus six and a half at home against number 10, Notre Dame. Again, both of us over 500 for the season. So we're not losing any money, really. That's good. Uh, real quick. I didn't want to bring up. You just mentioned USC. They got Arizona this week, whatever. Uh, but starting next week, though, their last six games Technically, all six of them, they could lose. They're not going to lose all of them, obviously, but like it's, it's possible. At Notre Dame, home against Utah, who has a terrible offense but a great defense. What if Cam Rising comes back? Maybe. Now, this, is, this will be the, their easiest one at Cal, but Cal can be sometimes frisky. It's on the road. Then, by the way, at Cal, before they play Washington... So look ahead spot the cow game is on that, the road. Is that in L.A. or Seattle? It's in L.A. But then they got Washington in L.A. and then at Oregon, back to back, and then ending the year, of course, against UCLA, who's also not a bad football team. They are pretty
0: good. And so if that is a stretch, right. if, if any offense that they play has a pulse, they can lose.
1: Man, how awesome would it be if usc ends up like nine and three or something oh uh, that would be just be sweet be awesome. it'd be
0: great give me a just give me an give OU eight, beat four, down eight. on saturday just and then just give me gosh give me give me simultaneous usc and texas just implosions pretty awesome it's all i want that's all awesome. i want i just want i just i just i don't i mean the world is a better place when texas is not good at college football
1: that's a great way to end this podcast. All right, everyone, enjoy OU Texas on Saturday. If you're going to the game, going, obviously, take it all in. One of the best atmospheres. if not the best atmospheres in all sports. Even a guy like me who's kind of, you know, ho-hum on a lot of that stuff, I can even acknowledge that OU Texas, that's – well, except for last year. That, that was awful. If, if last year was anybody's first OU Texas experience, I'm very sorry because that's not the way it's supposed to be it was for somebody if you know. you're a texas fan if you're a texas fan i guess that would have been pretty awesome even though like at the at there's a point like where texas fans were like feeling sorry for you, that's how bad it was last year you could tell they were like Ugh. and like even sark like they called off the dogs they could have put up like 70 probably if they eh, 60
0: no i mean they could have done whatever they wanted i i i do want to throw it out there it's like cool sark for for calling off the dogs I would not have done the same thing in that scenario. No, no, you, that's... I don't know why. And so I, I, I actually, I kind of hope that just comes back to bite him. You should have taken it when you had the chance, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> all right, everyone. We'll be back
1: afterwards to talk all about OU Texas until next time for grant. I am Lee. This is West of Evers. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you subscribe to the show. And if you want to help us spread the word, please leave us a five-star review. And also, tell all of your friends who are OU fans about West of Everest. You can listen to this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and SoundCloud.